Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. I'm your host, Elena, and I'm very excited for today's episode. We are back with Justin Bizarro as always, and today we have a special guest, Joe Sweeney. He's the CEO and founder of Eagles Catch. I'm going to allow him to introduce himself, but first I want to talk a little bit about this new series we are going to be featuring on the CLB, the Exposure Through Leadership or ETL series. So today's question is going to be, why is leadership essential? for the survival of fishing and farming in the free market. Before we dive into the question with Justin and Joe, I will allow Joe to introduce himself. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Happy to be here again with uh, you guys and uh, really excited about the question that we're talking about today. And and, uh, I come from a traditional farming background. I grew up on a family farm where we raised corn, soybeans, cattle, chickens, pigs, and a handful of other 4-H and FFA projects that I grew up with and, and really enjoyed growing up that way. And uh, it's a way of growing up where you really learn the value of hard work and, and uh, the fruits of, and seeing the fruits of your labor. And so um, I'm really excited to continue that because uh, the farming industry is one that's really born out of heritage. Where I grew up, uh, my grandpa purchased that farm in the 1940s and built a house, and my mom grew up in the same house that I grew up on. I'm a fifth-generation Iowa farmer, and which is echoed in a lot of the other communities and farmers that are in our area where you see some uh, farms that have been in the family for you know, over 100 in potentially even 150 years and folks that have uh, been farmers for multiple generations. And so that's something that uh, it's a tradition and it's an occupation that goes beyond the lines of the nine to five. And so I'm so happy to be a part of that community and and that be uh, what my life is today. So thank you very much for having me and I did uh, my uh, undergrad work at Iowa State University. I later got an MBA at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And uh, I built a company called Buckeye Buckeye Fish Company that we sold in 2016. And we later started Eagles Catch, which is the company that uh, I'm a part of today. So happy to be here and and love to talk about the, the question at hand. Thank you for the introduction. We're really excited to have you. And Justin, um, would you like to kick off the answering of this question and some of your background with your relationship with Joe? Of course, obviously I know Joe from being an entrepreneur um, and being in in the food game as well um, and in a different 
world or different parts of the world, but obviously impact is the same right now um, on the scale that both of us are involved in terms of farming and manufacturing and what's going on with COVID, um, sort of what's going on um, on the attack on free market food. Uh, the topic is of today. So I'm pretty excited about the topic. I think it's important that we understand what leadership really looks like in these farming communities right now um, and what those farming communities are going to do for our ocean and in terms of our fishing uh, and our ability to eat fish um, and come up with our own future in terms of fishing, I think is a big thing. And I think we're going to explore that a little bit and what that looks like. But I think first and foremost, you know, obviously we're talking about leadership on this podcast. So everyone, thank you for listening in. You can find us at Centurion Leadership Italian on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, please share, please subscribe, and please listen in. So I'm really excited to hear what Joe has to say. I think it's important that we, we understand what happens on farms and the leadership that is instilled from generation to generation in most cases, as well as um, the importance of farmers in, in national security um, or any free market security for that, for that matter in today's world. So um, I'm ready to start. So thank you guys. Awesome. So I'll go ahead and ask you, Joe, uh, in terms of leadership in farming, what are some of the things that you have learned or have found to be the biggest participants in being a leader, especially on a farm? It may be a little different than in a corporate setting or environment. Yeah. So to get started, I'd like to kind of focus my thoughts as far as, you know, what is leadership and how that then how that pertains to farming and and what we do in Iowa. But to me, what leadership means is doing something that is uncommon or is something that hasn't been done before. And when you look at potentially, you know, maybe so an example would be graduating high school. Well, if you come from a community or family where, you know, graduating high school, uh, you've got really high graduation rates, and you come from a family that has, uh, you know, maybe done post-secondary education, is that is that person a leader? Well, it's meeting, they're meeting a standard. But now imagine someone that comes from a family that's never had someone that graduated high school or from a community where they've never graduated, a very, very low graduation rates. Then that person absolutely is a leader. And so, the act of leadership is really about doing something and pioneering something. But the word leadership is also really other focused, meaning that the act of overcoming a challenge or doing something uncommon also involves other people. And it, either that means that you're setting an example or you're involving those other people in what you're doing. A good leader is someone that brings people up around them. A bad leader is maybe someone that is, uh, you know, uh, puts other people down to get where they're going. And so as that relates to farming, it's what is the current trends and how are we, and what are we doing to grow from where we are today and doing something that's uncommon, that increases the opportunity, but do it in a way that brings everyone else around us up. And so 
as you look at the farming community in Iowa and the Midwest, we grow a lot of very traditional uh, crops and products. It's all, com it's a lot of it is very commoditized. So we grow a lot of corn, a lot of soybeans, cattle, pigs, uh, chickens, dairy, beef, uh, just to name a few. And Iowa is a very, very good producer of all of those commodities. But a lot of those commodities are very dependent on international trade to be successful. Uh, much of our product is exported. But with that exposure risk to international trade, because it is an exposure risk, when you're so dependent on international trade to be successful and profitable, you need other opportunities uh, to come forward that allow us to diversify and allow us to really focus on our existing communities and existing marketplace here in the United States uh, to help reduce that exposure risk. And that's what we're trying to do at Eagles Catch. And with all of that, as you look at the last you know, 50 to 100 years, each generation within those farming families, if they did it the same way, their parents did it, they'd be out of business. If I farmed the same way we did back in the 1950s, there's no way we could be competitive or sustain environmentally sustainable or uh, going to be a part of what the future is coming. In agriculture, we have an incredible uh, opportunity, but responsibility to where the world is headed. By 2050, the world population is going to reach 10 billion people. We're going to have to double our agricultural output with less land, less water, and less inputs. So the challenge ahead of us is tremendous. And we have to have leaders that are going to change the game that are going to help us increase our nutritional output and also increase our ability to produce agricultural products in a way that uses less land, less water, and less inputs to help feed a growing population. And uh, that's gonna take a lot of companies potentially like Eagles Catch and many others within the farming community to be able to meet that great challenge. So Joe, I think, I mean, we're on to something really important here is that one in the farming generations now, well, in farming in general, they always have to be instilling leadership or an entrepreneurial mindset or the farm doesn't survive. I mean, it's essential and we see it in farms all the time when that next generation doesn't come back or they don't have the same entrepreneurial mindset as the one before we see the farms suffer or be less competitive, especially on a world market, um, especially if you're exporting um, and competing with labor or costs that are fixed or um, lower than ours in the United States or in other free market societies that tend to have higher labor costs. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what does that look like? I mean, how, how on the farms do we instill this leadership? I mean, how, how, I mean, how are you going to push it 
to the next leadership, how do you feel it's been done with you, I guess, maybe are some of the questions that I would ask. Yeah, I would look at, uh, as, as you consider that many of the farms, most of the farms actually in Iowa are multi-generational. And so the sort of evolving that we have done is that sort of innovation mindset has been weeded out in the last couple generations. Specifically, those that don't change fall behind. And so the farms that have been in families for multi-generations, you know, 150 years, change has been a part of who they are. And that is why they survived. And that's also why we have some consolidation of farms. Farms keep getting bigger. And it's because those folks that have understood that change is inevitable and constant, that those are the folks that have survived multi-generations and instilled that on, on their children and their children's children. And so as you look at the exposure risk and what we at Eagles Catch are really focusing on is this exposure risk that we have to international trade that we want to further diversify from these products that we do a very, very good job growing and they're excellent products, but we need to change the game in a way that is focused on change and this focus on innovation to grow our nutritional output. We have to use this opportunity to continue to evolve or else we will fall behind as other farms and other generations have. And that is our great calling within agriculture is to continue to evolve, continue to diversify. But it, it takes a constant change and development of leadership within the industry for that to be possible. So give me examples of some of the, the innovations you've seen uh, recently from the farmers in your generation. I think you guys are doing one of them, but I think outside of that, I mean, what are the, the things that generational farmers are doing today or way they can take the leadership steps today if they're listening in, in their farms or in their communities um, or in their families to, to do a better job or to, to take up more of this? I mean, because we're talking about expiring farms, especially in the free market, because food is coming in so cheaply from non-free market countries that we're becoming less competitive. And like you said, less and less people are going back to the farms um, generationally or when they do being competitive on a world market uh, innovation wise. So, I mean, what are some of the things you're seeing that are working, um, Joe? What are some of the things that we can use um, and instill through this podcast and people to help them out? One of the great changes that we're seeing right now in farming is this focus on environmental sustainability. And it's been tremendous to see how, you know, we're focused on everything from uh, nutrition, uh, soil nutrition retention to the uh, proliferation of, you know, the soil health focus. Um, within the farming community communities now. One of the other, I think, really big opportunities is, uh, you know, as we continue to 
I think the saying goes, niche thyself, right? Continue to find ways that you're really competitive at something where uh, other people don't do. We've seen that's why the Midwest has become one of the uh, hottest beds of, of corn and soybean and, and hog production specifically. And, uh, but now we've done that so well and we've saturated, I believe that we've saturated that market in many ways. Um, one of the areas that we see an opportunity is in fish farming and that's why we've uh, really pursued fish farming is we currently import over 90% of seafood in the United States. In fact, 77% of all the seafood in the United States just comes from China. And so you look at this sort of low probability but high impact event of you know, a breakdown in trade with China, which we've seen in the last you know, five years, is uh, a really uh, difficult time for the United States because of our reliance. Now, we're working on developing an industry here in the United States for fish farming and seafood production. But the fact of the matter is, is we're not on a level playing field. With that fish that's coming from China, again, 77% of all the seafood, that is not a free market product. That is subsidized. And a majority of the illegal and unregulated fishing in the world is almost perpetrated almost exclusively by China. And uh, a number of uh, independent tests have been done that have shown that the uh, labeling, uh, over 50% of the product on the market is not what it's labeled as. They've done DNA tests and show it's, it's a completely different product. It's led to a lot of issues. And so, you know, your question on the free market, the seafood right now with us re, uh, getting so much product from, from China, it's not a free market. And we have to find ways to increase the value of our product, reduce our cost of production. And, and so that way we can compete in a non-level playing field. So one of the things that we're also doing is we have to find ways with our regulators is just tell them and help try to find a way to just say, we want a level playing field because when the playing field is level, you know, I, our quality and our customer dedication is really what is going to drive uh, number one, safety in our food supply, but also, uh, you know, transparency and uh, environmental sustainability. And that's really where we see much of the advantage of our company. Um, but it really takes uh, everybody from consumers to regulators and uh, to, to take that step. And we got to take it together. And that is really where leadership is demanded in this space. Well, and I think it's one of those things, uh, Joe, where it's like, I'm going to give this example. Um, it's like showing up to a soccer game for your six-year-old daughter and uh, your and her six-year-old team, and you show up to the soccer game, and they're playing a bunch of 18-year-old girls. And the argument is, is hey, we're all playing the same game, we're all playing the same rules, and so we're all playing soccer. The issue is, is not that there's, it's that unspoken 
rule that we don't talk about, which we all abide by, but not everyone would, which is accept the age range of the child in the group. And we do it through honor code or checking a license or whatever, but there's not those same regulations, sorry, birth certificate if they're six year old, not licensed. But it's, um, but my point being is that it's the same thing and there's no way, no one's gonna stick up for you because you're just, it is what it is. You're, it's 11 on 11, but it's six year olds versus 18 year olds because that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a well-oiled machine that's been preparing economically for these exact situations to take the market because in, in all intents and purposes, their first priority is to not only feed their people so they can remain stable in any non-free market economy, that's number one, like feed the people because that leads to stability, starve them a little bit, but give them just enough food to survive and then feed the rest of the population so you have economic value and you um, improve some economic value for some people. But I think what has happened is it's been an overall assault um, on our pork and our fish markets um, because they just unregulated fish. I mean, we're talking basically piracy as we know it is the fishing world. I mean, and we're literally, we want to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean and all those things. We're li literally supporting the entire piracy of our seas through our supermarket purchases of fish right now and not knowing and understanding the labels. So I think one of the leaderships that we're talking about here, and I agree, is the farming and the fishing itself, but it's also us as consumers and our support for these farmers and these fisher, um, the fishermen that are both on land or at sea for the United States or any free market country, that they're out there fighting a battle that's not fair. And not only are they fighting a battle that's not fair, they have the full backing of their government. And we basically have none because we believe in a free market economy, which is fair, but it's just not, it's just not fair in terms of the playing field. So, you know, that's just what we're looking at. So, I mean, I'm interested in that. In particular, I love this conversation because I feel that farming and particularly fishing is the one of the only ways we're going to be able to fight back. And, you know, we're not going to be able to fight wars we don't live that way and people don't want to fight wars and there's too much political stuff involved in that so that's not the way that this is going to be done so it has to be done economically but it has to be through fighting for our own economy or our own raw materials and resources and we're a hell of a country that farms really really freaking well um competitively so i don't know what your thoughts are on that but that's sort of you know where i stand on that one yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the level playing field and what is fair and what is unfair. Specifically, a free market, I think, is fair. You know, if you have a, an ability to produce something and, and do it cost competitively, you should be rewarded in the marketplace. But when we have a free market economy, and they have a subsidized economy that's controlled by the government, it's, that is not fair <laughs> in terms of the playing field. And so, you know, I don't think that we need to change the rules of the game in the United States, but the greater market needs to be held accountable and be playing by the same rules. And so I think as you look at, the oceans and the wild caught fish. By the way, seafood 
is the last food product that is predominantly wild harvested. It's right around 50%. So saying predominantly is, is a bit of a stretch, but it's right around 50% that is grown and 50% that is wild harvested. But to put that in perspective, since the early 90s, wild capture has basically flattened. And it's because our current wild stocks are 93% overfished or maximally sustainably fished. Fact of the matter is, is, whether, is you're, we're not getting any more fish from the oceans. All growth has to come from aquaculture. By the way, that 93%, it keeps growing, that number. And now aquaculture not only is going to have to account for the growth in seafood consumption, but it's also going to have to start making up ground as wild capture starts declining. I want to put that in just a little bit of perspective, though, is that is largely because of the illegal and unregulated fishing. If it, you've seen a, a product of the United States, I'm going to guess that's, a, that's going to be a pretty good product. You know, especially as you get down towards the, you get over to the coasts, there's some really good seafood that is responsible. And there's a lot of uh, sustainable fisheries that are out there that are maintained by the United States. And, but again, it's that product that's imported and uh, be sure to check your labels uh, on where that product comes from. And more, more often than not, it's not a product of the United States. Uh, there's some really good product that's coming from South America and Central America. That is a good product. And it does, it does pay, play by the same rules. So um, I don't want to tear everybody down, uh, but so, because there are things that are out there that are good. And so I'm excited to see how that develops. And uh, I'm excited to see as more attention comes to this market, that uh, that playing field starts to become more level. And so we have to create market opportunities now that, you know, help us, you know, make our ends meet while we eventually want to be a large market player that can compete with folks like uh, what we're importing from China. That's the goal, but if the playing field has to be level. Well, and I know most people listening probably are like, oh, let's get a rough, better referee in the game that upholds the rules and let's have more government regulation. But that's the whole trap, right? That's the whole trap in, in the leading us away from a free market. That's someone else leading us and tempting us in a way. And here's the reality that if we're going to lead, whether it's on the farm or whether it's in the free market or whether it's in the grocery store or in our lives, the reality is, is we all have to lead in the free market. The only way to compete against someone that's in a fixed market is to outcompete them, to outgrow with no matter how much control is in it. And the only way to do that, at least in the United States, is through free market, which is that entrepreneurial environment, in my opinion, especially in the farms. And I think what we're seeing to your point in the farming is, you know, fishing and seafood, it's the only untapped resource, right? I mean, true, yes. Um, and I agree that we're looking at seafood as another resource, but we're also talking about buffalo, we're talking about people using alligators. So I think innovation-wise, we're starting to look at other possible domesticating other sources like alligator, 
We've done it with buffalo, you know, over the years. So why not domesticate fish? I think that that's where you're going. And I don't want to lead the conversation too far down that road before I make the point of we have to lead in our own homes. You know, we have to lead with the decisions we make. And if we're going to ask the farmers and the fishermen to be our soldiers in this war that's going on right now, because that is what it is. There's an all-out war on our national security in terms of our food supplies. Imagine for some random reason someone gets a random some uh, random stick up their behind. They have a nuclear weapon, and they're going to go to war with the United States. There's really very much you can do if someone has that power. And if they do it and we don't have proper food sources in places to respond to a disaster, number one, but to be able to respond in kind to go to war, whether we realize it or not, and everyone's like, oh, modern age, bizarro, stop it, and warmonger, fear-driven person. No, it's more or less like, hey, it's playing chess, not checkers. We talk about it all the time on leadership podcasts. If I have my knight there, most likely they're not going to mess with me too much. But it's important that I have the knight there because if I don't, I'm still competing in a free market against a country or countries that don't participate in the same game as I do. So I still need to keep my knights in check. And maybe those knights in this case, you know, it's not weapons. It's the way we use our money. It's the way we invest our money back into our economies or into our food. It's the way, hey, guys, it's going to be a little more more expensive, which sucks right now during the economic condition. But you should probably buy more local. You should probably buy United States products. And I'm saying probably as in I'm being nice and saying you should probably go out and change your lifestyle right now if you're serious about having anything left for the generations of the future. Because whether or not we care about farming or we think it's important or we think it's a something of the Stone Age, it is absolutely essential to the survival of a civilization. So, um, the last ahead, uh, the last podcast we did together, Justin, uh, we talked about how food security is national security, which you were talking about. You know, I think as you look at, uh, you know, as you study economics, you know that trade raises everybody up. And trade is a good thing. And free market is a good thing. One of the things that we have to be conscious of, though, is the types of products that we're producing. We have to be able to supply ourselves in that worst case scenario. So as you talked about the night, just having the night there prevents issues. Not so much that you have to use it, but it prevents those issues from ever coming to light. And with us having uh, so much that is imported in seafood, we're not ready. We are at risk. And so that's where, you know, the call to action here is really to say that, you know, look for United States products in your food supply. Because as we make our United States supply more competitive and more relevant, that is where we build national security and helps us de-risk our future and helps make us more stable. And, uh, and so I, I really like the analogy of, of the night. And you know, it's not so much that you have to use that night so much as people aren't gonna mess with you if it's sitting there. 
And uh, so with us domesticating our food supply and our seafood supply, that is one way that we're not only able to achieve better environmentally sustainability, better food safety, but also improve national security. Uh, you look at China, if they close their borders, they could not feed their people. And that is a huge risk uh, to their country. Um, here in the United States, we, we produce almost all of our, food, our own food products with the exception of seafood, coffee, and a few other things. Um, now, coffee, you could make the argument that it's a non-essential food stuff. Uh, I would say you haven't seen me before uh, 6 a.m. <laughs> but it's one of those, uh, you know, developing our own production helps food security and national security. I think that's so interesting how you were able to tie all of that back together and really answer that question so well of how fishing and farming affects all of these things within our nation. So I just want to thank you so much again for, for being a part of our podcast today. Hey, and Joe, I just want to talk about one last thing as we're getting off. And I want to talk about this last connection between the farms and the, the fishermen that we're talking about or because we're seeing it not only in aquaculture, but in aquaponics, as well as hydroponics, and what the importance of bringing that onto the farm and what that looks like as we close up here. Because I think it's really important that we connect those pieces here in terms of that innovation and that leadership that's so necessary on the farms to sort of combat this sort of assault on our oceans or on our, our food industry, particularly our, our water-based protein sources. I'll say that the, the fishermen, the United States fishermen do an outstanding job and they've make, they help create outstanding products. And um, I really love going to the coast and, and having those and eating, consuming those products. And, uh, but this is a case where a rising tide floats all boats. We're not necessarily taking market share from them, but being a part of the growth of the market is really where uh, we see ourselves playing and then also being within the confines of a, uh, you know, an, an overfished ocean. And so um, we see uh, the fishermen as, as partners, not uh, competitors. And we see other producers of seafood as, as partners and not competitors. And we look at our role in that market as let's rise the tide and float all of our boats ever higher because that is the only way for us to be able to create a robust and uh, national secure food source right here that are feeding not only ourselves but our neighbors and the folks uh, across the United States. So we're so happy to be a part of that development and so happy to be a part of uh, something that I think truly is bigger than ourselves. And I, I think it's important, Joe, what you said about the partnership versus um, being a competitor, because I think you're 100% right. We have to learn how to use um, farming uh, on land with fishing uh, to also replenish the oceans, as well as um, we've talked about it before. There was once a free cow um, or a free 
chicken for that matter, but we've had to use domestication to feed populations and grow human race and feed other animals. And that's just part of the way it is. It's not just all going to one plant-based solution. Um, one, it would probably be nearly impossible to feed everyone and give everyone the nutrition that we need. But two, it's important that we see that we all have leadership in the way that we shop at the grocery store and the choices that we make um, as individuals where leadership goes beyond just making a difference in our community um, through opening a door or pushing a cart for someone or helping an old lady across the street to, to state the obvious. It's about the choices that we make, even the way we spend our money. Because in a democracy, you know, or a free market, the government's not going to do it for us, nor do we want it to. We don't want that. That That's not what we want. We want to be able to fight this on our own. And the only way to do it is use the voice we have as the citizens within those free markets to, one, be entrepreneurs and grow jobs and grow knowledge, which is what we need. Like knowledge and leadership knowledge and leadership in farming and that passing down of knowledge, even in fishing, or that tribal knowledge, as we'll call it, is so essential in being competitive. You know, generation to generation, we need to be competitive. You know, in the United States, or a lot of our free markets, they're young countries. So some of this tribal freedom thought, uh, lib um, thoughts of liberty, they're younger comparatively from generation to generation and generation that's been in countries for 10 to 12 to 13 generations. You know, Joe said five, which seems like a lot in the United States, but you go to some countries in Asia and they're 20, 30 year generations that they know of. You know, so the influence and the legacy is a little bit different and their belief system is a little bit different um, because of that legacy expanding so many different governmental belief systems or religious belief systems for that matter and instilled that law. So we're not talking about something that's just like, oh, let's just have a conversation and we can see eye to eye. No, it's about how do we instill the same leadership that we want in the long term that'll win in the free market in the long run. And agriculture is the most important, in my opinion, just because if we're the highest beings on the earth, meaning that I want to say this carefully, we should be responsible for every other being or doing what's best for the planet because we are arguably the smartest creature on the planet. I Sometimes we can argue otherwise, I would say. But that being said is that it is our responsibility to take care of our own food sources and our own planet and our own animals responsibly and realistically. You know, and by realistic, I mean, it's not realistic for us to all of a sudden just get rid of certain food sources or turn them over. It's just unrealistic. And it's not good for the human body or the growth we got here through the development of our brains and our diverse food system. It's important that we lead and continue to do that also now. And so as we wrap up here, Joe, I just want to talk about what you're doing at Eagle's Catch and, and this sort of leadership you're trying to instill on the farms. And we're talking about on land, even though ag Eagles Catch is a fishery company, and you're gonna, and it's very far from our traditional systems. But I think it's important, and I think it's important because the way it complements the farms and the environment that we go over the benefits and how important it is for maybe even a failing farm. You know, instead of throwing money after good money 
after an animal, okay, like you're going to do it anyway, but maybe there's ways to invest or look at complementing your farm to be more profitable and help be more competitive on a national security scale. Because I'm sure people are listening, oh, man, you don't understand. We're scratching the surface to get our farm to survive every year. But what we're talking about here is how to lead on your farm or lead as a fisherman, for that example, or find a fisherman farmer partner or do what Joe did and go live, you know, go gain the knowledge and live on a fish farm and live a pretty hard existence for a lot of months, learning the fish business so he could bring it back to the farm. But Joe, I want to give you time to talk, but I just want to, I threw a lot out there, but I want to make sure the audience has time to grab it because I want to plant the seeds now and what you're talking about. So when we do, we continue this exposure through leadership series with you and the importance of leadership on the farms and fishing. Um, again, when we do another part that we're already teeing up everyone to understand exactly where the leadership needs to be right now and the importance of what you're doing. You know, I'd say where we see our leadership is really in the agriculture community in the Midwest. And it's not just about fish as a product. It's not just about the oceans. It's not just about international trade. But it's really about farm life, rural living, farm income, diversification. It's for these agriculturists and producers to diversify outside of the traditional corn, soybeans, hogs, chickens, and cattle and to one where it's consumers or the people that you are trying to, your customers are Americans. They're your neighbors. And not only is it diversified from a product standpoint, it's diversified from a geographical distribution perspective because a lot of those other products are, are highly uh, exported. Finally, it's a somewhat young uh, industry, and so that the, uh, it's really at the uh, beginning of its adoption curve and, and its innovation curve. And it has a tremendous opportunity to grow farm income. But what that really does is it creates a more, uh, I'd, I'd call it a uh, heritage sustainability. And what that means is with us creating a new farm uh, opportunity, it creates an environment where it's easier for that next generation to come home and take over the family farm. And it, on top of that, it is an, another uh, market for other Iowa feedstuffs. And so it's really for the health of the entire uh, agricultural industry here in the Midwest to have this industry here because it's helping from, it's helping just continue to pr uh, produce more products that stay right here in the United States, which increases uh, national security. So at Eagles Catch, what we are doing is we're producing fish indoors uh, that uh, uses what's called a recirculating aquaculture system. It's a pretty new way of producing protein, uh, but it's a highly efficient and, and we see the growth curve 
being really steep over the next, you know, five to 10 years. And it's a way for us to accomplish all those goals while uh, doing something different within, uh, within this agricultural community and displaying that leadership that's going to help move the whole industry forward. And that's really where we see our role uh, as a member of an agricultural community and uh, in a way that can benefit everyone from American consumers, American farmers, to our health of our oceans, and to uh, meet this goal that is, you know, defeat 10 billion people by 2050. So we're just so happy to be a part of that growth, be a part of uh, that, the evolving of our agricultural community, and be a part of uh, this focus on environmental uh, and, and sustainability. And here's the thing, if I were a betting man, which I don't bet, I necessarily gamble. I, I don't like the risk. It's way more risky than actually being an entrepreneur, dead serious. And, um, and but if I were a risk taker in this sense uh, and an entrepreneur, which I am and, and the entrepreneurial sense, I would say it is in my interest to be instilling these food and this type of farming and this type of thinking in the next generation. Well, I guess whether I'm a farmer or not, I'm trying to get the next generation back onto the farms or back into thinking about indoor farming or fish farming in this way. Or in this case, there's waste that the fish produce that can help complement your farm in other ways. There's the water, not that's recirculation. So you're, you're losing, you know, very little amount of water um, comparatively um, to traditional way of fishing and stuff like that. We're controlling the waste again, recycling it versus letting it become a pollutant and using it for fertilizer, I think. And to your other point, which I want to focus on, what you said is when we don't, when we make it more circular, so if we're growing fish food, for example, in Iowa to ship to the coast for the fish farms in the ocean, we're still creating a carbon footprint and then bringing the fish all the way back to the Midwest to be consumed. We're in this model. I want everyone to really think about it. We're talking about less fossil fuels, more environmentally friendly, better for the environment, more economic growth. How are we gonna be competitive? These are all things that are, when we talk about leading through core values, these are all the results of leading through core values. We can have all these things, but we have to believe in them and we have to instill them and we have to, do it as consumers. So if the fish is coming back, we're creating, okay, now we have fisheries in the Midwest. We have job creation around those. We also have more economics, more taxes, more everything around that. We also have less movement of the fish. We have the ability to then process the fish in those local areas. The feed isn't going all over the place also. We're figuring out that. So we're solving larger problems here. And when I talk about, we talk about on the podcast, human brains are complex, okay? Because we're, we really should have complex brains to come up with complex solutions, right? To the complex world, but we've got to do it simply. Meaning there's really nature's done it for us. We just got to figure out how to work in nature where we're complementing and living with it, right? in the way that we also need to grow as humans and keep our endeavors and growing in the way that we grow. So that's what we're talking about here is, we're talking about being more responsible, it's less death for the fish, it's less 
let's reliance on them from foreign markets, and it's building our economies, which we talk about, which is building legacy in this podcast, because we talk a lot about, you know, building leadership, but what does that legacy mean for the future in that leadership? And I don't see it any other way of doing it, and every human can lead in their life by actually really thinking about it consciously and doing it with purpose in the way that we shop in the grocery store. And I know everyone's going to say it's the thing we buy the most. We got to go the cheapest option. You don't understand the expense on my family. I understand all of it. I do. But if you want your family to perform and be the highest performance that they can be possible, you probably don't want to be feeding them something that's mislabeled from somewhere else that may be a white fish and say tilapia, but you're not really sure what it is. You know, so that's one of the things that we're talking about here is when there's lack of leadership in fishing or farming, there's mislabeling, there's not following food code, there's these countries that do not follow our standards, guys, like USDA organics, high food quality, that's a US thing, that's a free market thing. The rest of the world is just trying to figure out how to feed their population with, with, not, with them not starving. And guess what? Feeding them and them getting sick off of food is still better than the percentage of loss of them starving. So they're dealing with a different problem than we are. They're dealing with the problem of trying to just feed their people starving. Yes, we have starvation in the United States, do not get me wrong, or hunger. But what I'm saying is their problem's a little bit different percentage-wise. They're just trying to feed their population any way possible. So turn on the industrial giant, where we're actually know that we can feed our population and feed probably most of the world population. And now we're figuring out, hey, we probably should do it more responsible. You know, we're a higher being. We should lead in the way that we do it. And I know I'm rambling on here, but it's the point being is that this is where we need to be in Iowa, where Joe's from, is in all intents and purposes and has been a leader in high volume farming because there's so much land there. There's so many connections between the vertical integration of the farms and the feed and the fertilizer and all those things, natural or unnatural, however we want to look at it. I would say we're talking about going more natural in the way we're doing things, but it takes time and it takes people buying it so we can be competitive on an international market. But my point again is that leadership is well beyond just leading in our communities. It's leading in the way that we shop and it's leading in the way that we go out there and say, hey, it's not the government's responsibility to fix this. It's ours in our free market. And so I'm sorry to go on, but um, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? You know, Justin, I think what you said was was pretty interesting because um, we live in a very luxurious country and we're so lucky to be in a position where we're saying not just how do we get food or how the heck are we going to feed our population but we've transcended that now to a point of how we produce it is important you know we've we've gotten to a point where we're not just concerned about getting it but how we're doing it and uh, so we're in such a lucky position that uh, we have that problem now. And so 
Um, we've led the world in just producing the, uh, the, you know, the nutrients and the calories that we need uh, to just feed people. But now we're at a point where we're saying we have to change not just how we're doing it. And uh, I think that creates a really cool opportunity. Here in Iowa, you know, we've developed a fish production system that, you know, our goal is to have the most water neutral and carbon neutral of, uh, form of animal protein. It's something that can compete uh, from an environmental perspective with synthetic proteins and plant-based proteins we're doing with real animal protein. The difference is, is with, uh, with real animal protein, you're getting your vitamin B12 and theramine and other things that you just can't get from purely uh, plant-based sources. And so we're, we're able to accomplish both goals. And I think that's something that I think speaks to the leadership of, you know, just what we're doing. But now we're, we're so lucky to be in a position to where we can say how we're doing it is important too. And uh, it's that form of leadership. And the way that everyone at home, the consumers, the folks, uh, the families, and uh, everyone that is, is a part of this marketplace can be a part of that leadership by supporting that vision and by supporting what it is that, uh, you know, that we're doing by saying that you like the how we're doing it, but how we're doing it does cost more. And so I do hear the fact that, you know, look, we have to be watching our bottom line budget. Um, and, and I understand that we're so lucky here in the United States that we have the most affordable food supply in the world as a percentage of our income. And another way that we're, we're very, very lucky. And uh, not everybody is that lucky. And not every country, not every person in those countries have that sort of access. And so um, we're lucky that we get to say how we do it matters. And uh, we hope that uh, everyone listening is going to be a part of that leadership and, and exhibits that leadership uh, in their own home and in their own family by supporting something that uh, the how matters. I appreciate that, Joe, and um, I know we're going to talk more, so I won't go on anymore, but will you tell everyone how they can find you on Instagram and where they can find um, your businesses and, and things like that so the audience can, can follow you as well in the, the mission that you're on? Absolutely. So feel free to follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at IA underscore fish farmer. And then you can also visit our website uh, at www.eagles, which is plural, dash catch, like you catch a ball, dot com. And, uh, and you can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter as well, at eagles underscore catch. So I look forward to hearing from you. I look forward and, uh, and hope uh, you can be a part of our journey as, uh, as we uh, look to, you know, turn over this uh, this massive macroeconomic trade imbalance and uh, help uh, support the health of our, our oceans and the environmentally sustainable uh, part of our food supply. So, uh, so happy to have this conversation and uh, um, hope, uh, hope to hear from all of you. 
I appreciate it, Joe. And thanks, Elena, for doing all this and, and letting us ramble on. Poor Elena didn't get in any words this podcast. We'll have to make sure she gets plenty in last time. Sorry, Elena. Um, no, I appreciate learning from you guys. And thank you again, Joe, for being here and sharing more about what you do. Everyone be sure to check out Eagle Sketch social media to learn more about their business. I know. Come on, guys. We are freeloading off of listening off the podcast. The least you could do is give us a five-star review and subscribe and recommend the podcast and share it on social media. Um, we're giving away the information for free. So, you know, I challenge you to give us a five-star review. We're giving out all the goodies here. So trick or treat, I think we just had Halloween based on by the time this podcast comes out. So you know, give us some, a little bit of treat and fill our basket here with some five-star reviews. So thanks everyone. Thank you so much.